Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, super moms. Today we are talking about the Enneagram type one, the perfectionist, the reformer, the rational, principled, self-controlled idealist. So we are going to go through this wonderful human being and we're going to give a little overview of the type one, the key fear and motivation, what it looks like to be an integrated or disintegrated one. What is robbing ones of feeling peaceful? This is the super mom kryptonite. We're going to talk about what gets in their way from feeling at peace at home with their kids. And three questions to help you decipher if you are a one. And also what ones gain from life coaching. What can they do? We're going to talk about three small action steps that you can take today to release the burden of perfection, trust in your goodness, and finally relax. So I want you to listen to type one, see if anyone pops into your mind, see if it sounds like you or like someone you are living with. You might be able to relate to part of it, but not all of it. At the end, you're going to get some uh, coaching and parenting advice specifically geared towards this Enneagram type. So ones are conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right or wrong. They are always striving to improve things, but afraid of making a mistake. They can be well-organized and fastidious. They try to maintain high standards, but can slip into being critical and perfectionist. At their best, think of your favorite wise university professor who's discerning and realistic and noble, maybe Atticus Finch or Hermione Granger. Both are probably ones. At their worst, ones can be closed-minded, critical, and self-righteous. Think Osama bin Laden. So a type one parent can show up quite differently depending on whether their strict moral code extends to their children or is primarily turned inward onto themselves. You might hear a one say to their kids, it's my way or the highway. It is important to take your responsibilities seriously. If you're more organized, this wouldn't be a problem. If you aren't going to follow the rules, we aren't going to play. So this might come from a one who has this very strict moral code. They know right from wrong and they want their kids to follow suit. But you also might hear a one just say things like, why can't I ever get it right? Or I can't relax because there's still work to be done. So you can have a one who turns their criticism outward onto kids, partners, school system, or they might just hold it inward and say, oh, everyone else is great. I'm the one who needs fixing, okay? And that one is because they carry around with their critics. So the basic fear of the Enneagram type one is being a bad person. They really strive to be good, to have integrity, to be beyond reproach. The key motivations for ones are that they want to be right. They want to strive higher and improve themselves and the world around them. They want to be consistent with their ideals, to justify themselves, 
to be beyond criticism does not be condemned by anyone. Ones might express irritation or resentment regularly, but they try to control their anger because often they see it as morally wrong. And so ones have difficulty letting go, being silly, indulging, relaxing, and going with the flow. Here's a story of two ones. (laughs) Type one Anya signed up for my leading your teen group class. And she was super enthusiastic. She brought a journal and a pen to take notes to every class. She had taken parenting classes before when her kids were little, and she really appreciated having tools and strategies for parenting. She read books. She enjoyed striving to be her best. She participated, enjoyed getting coached, learning about herself in ways in which she could improve made her feel competent. Acquiring strategies for raising teenagers helped her confident that she was up to the task. So this is a very integrated one. She's learning and growing from a place of good enough. I'm already good enough. I just want to get better. She spoke highly of the class to her friend, Amy, who was also a type one, assuming that Amy would love it as much as she did. Amy signed up for the class, but struggled to get into a learning mindset. She was so wary of being criticized and afraid someone might think poorly of her that she avoided participating. I suggested that we drop the group class and switched individuals that we could focus first on self-compassion, believe in her goodness, and tame that inner critic that was not letting her learn. Because every time she heard something that she didn't already know or that she hadn't yet done with her kids, that inner critic was just pouncing on her, causing her to feel shame and guilt and fear that she'd messed her kids up and had ruined them for life. (laughs) So when we focus on self-compassion and taming the inner critic, recognizing she's already good, then it can help her get into a place where learning can happen. One's monitor what they say, how they say it, with a very critical inner voice that scolds them for what they do wrong. They try to live up to the internal standards of what they believe to be behavior beyond reproach. When ones take on a task, their intention is to do it right. Their mission is to seek perfection and avoid mistakes. If you are listening to this and you think this might be your teenager or a kid in your house or a partner, email me and let me know and we can make it kind of more specific to your situation. I have a friend and whenever I hang out with her, just being around her made me a better mom. (laughs) She was so tolerant for things that I found difficult. She had energy and patience and kindness to everyone else except for herself. She held herself to a very high standard. She had a hard time accepting praise and feeling like she had done good enough. I didn't get many glimpses inside her head, but from what I could see, she had a ferocious drill sergeant who did not give her any of the credit that she truly deserved. Ones can be serious, single-minded, and driven to work hard while also being highly critical of themselves and others. If you are remodeling your kitchen, for example, you want to have a one. You want them to be perfectionistic and down to the nitty gritty, paying attention to the smallest detail, obsessing over doing it 
right. That is an excellent skill. If your kid's going in for brain surgery, I hope that brain surgeon is a one. That is a brilliant Enneagram type to have when it's important that things get done right. Ones are diligent, they're responsible, organized, and tired. But instead of resting when tired, they try to complete all the tasks, thinking that once everything is done, then they can rest. Ones have difficulty relaxing unless on vacation because there is still work to be done and they dislike delegating. So raising an ADHD kid who did not take school seriously was a huge stress on my client, Julia. She could not stand his lackadaisical attitude and procrastination, and she felt tied up in knots every day after school. She just wanted to get the homework done. But when she was on vacation, nothing stressed her out. Her kid could be lackadaisical or procrastinated and bother her. She loved being vacation mom. She was relaxed and open and accepting of who her kid was. So what we did is we kind of studied vacation mom and figured out how to bring her into everyday life at home. Ones are highly discerning. They try to do the best job possible down to the smallest detail. Sometimes they can get bogged down by details. They try to behave perfectly to cover up a deep fear of being flawed. Remember, their big fear is that they're wrong or bad. They want to be good. Ones control their anger, or try to, and disapprove of expressing anger, but can be judgmental and critical of their partner, their kids, the schools, coaches, etc. So you might hear a one saying things like, there's no excuse for being late. Sort of a one-size-fits-all rule that applies to everybody. When in reality, everybody is late sometime in their life, right? But the rules make ones feel safe. So Christina is a client of mine. I'm changing the names just so you know, Um, but I'm going to call her Christina. She didn't take her perfectionism out on her 16-year-old. Instead, she turned it into onto the school system that her daughter was a part of. So every day she would pick her daughter up at school and interview her for pain, looking for injustices and problems that she could help her solve. She thought the way to show her daughter love was to have her back against a common enemy. So together, mother and daughter would badmouth the teachers, the school system, her friends. This made Mama Christina feel aligned and connected with her daughter. But it was tricky because her teen felt the only way to make her mom happy was to focus on her unhappiness. She felt she had to choose between betraying her mom or betraying the system that she was participating in. So it was a little tricky. Ones can look for fault in other people because it allows them to feel better in comparison. You might hear a one say, everyone needs to do their part to make the world a better place. And then why can't anyone do anything right? (laughs) So some ones might turn it on the world, a system, other people, and some moms might just hold it inward and turn it on themselves. Why can't I do anything right? I need to do more to save the planet, help the world, yada, yada, yada. So here's three questions to help you decipher if you are a type one. 
Number one, do you have a constant internal critic that you've had since you were a child that never gives you a compliment, an atta girl, a way to go, that you and says to you that you aren't behaving properly and you don't have what it takes? Now, a lot of us have these inner critics in our head. So it might sound familiar, but let's keep on listening and see. Number two, do you have a constant need for self-improvement while logically knowing that no one will ever be perfect? Do you still feel like you want to strive to be better? Number three, do you have a hard time relaxing, having fun, and getting away from your responsibility unless you are on vacation? So one's struggle with perfectionism. Now, a lot of people struggle with perfectionism. So let's learn a little bit more about how this turns into a supermom kryptonite, okay? Enneagram one, the perfectionist, the reformer, might fixate on small imperfections. They might say things like, there's no excuse for being late, one size fits all. They might notice the A minus on the report card instead of all the A's. (laughs) They might find the one sock that didn't make it into the hamper instead of all the clothes that did. A great question that ones can ask themselves every day is, will this matter 10 years from now? And what's interesting is when I'm coaching a one, they often will say, yes, it will. They have a fear response to it. Like if he doesn't put a sock in the hamper, he's going to be a slob. His roommates aren't going to be wanting to live with him. He's going to have to move back home. I'm going to have to live with him for the rest of my life. Sometimes <laughs> that question can be helpful, but with one, sometimes they do think the small imperfections are a big deal, okay? Number two of how the one can turn into a supermom kryptonite is that a one can obsess and micromanage. I have talked to many a mom who have called me saying, I can't stop looking up their grades on PowerSchool or whatever the online portal is that you go in to check your child's grades. Like, I have moms who are doing it every single day. What's missing? Have the grades come in yet? Where are the grades at today? Why didn't he do this assignment? If you're obsessing and micromanaging about grades, you might be a what? Number three, do you need to fix everything that is broken in the world? (laughs) Or does it feel like you need to? And you get resentful when others don't share your beliefs about right or wrong. So you might hear that cows are the biggest producers of carbon emissions. So if anybody cares about the planet, then you need to stop eating meat. And this feels like the right thing to do. If we're going to save the planet, we don't want to deforest the rainforest, right? Cows are the reason we're deforesting the rainforest. So let's all stop eating meat. And then ones can get frustrated when other people don't agree with them. Ones don't like their beliefs to be challenged. This like concept of let's agree to disagree <laughs> is not made up by one. That did not come out of a one's mouth. Number four, analysis paralysis can cause procrastination. Let's say you want to organize the playroom, but since there's no way to do it perfectly and you know it's going to get messed up again two days later, it's easier just to avoid it, leave it a mess, but then you get resentful that no one else is annoyed by the mess or nobody else cares as much as you care or wants to help you with it. Number five, ones can have find difficulty feeling satisfied. Ones can be an exemplary role model parent to everyone else, 
they look amazing, but they don't feel the inner satisfaction because their inner critic keeps telling them that unless you're perfect, you suck. Number six, difficulty delegating to others and difficulty with spending time and money on relaxation and self-care. There's often a voice in the head that says, I don't deserve to spend money on myself. I don't deserve to feel relaxed or to take care of myself. I can't have anybody else do it. I have to do it all. It's sort of like this, it's not morally good. And so that can be really challenging. You might hear a one complain about doing the dishes, but then sort of throw her hands up and like, I'll just do it because I'll have to do it again anyways, because you won't do it right. (laughs) So delegating can be tricky. But here's what these perfectionistic, beautiful ones can use life coaching for. Number one, the most important thing is to tame the inner critic and increase compassion for self and others. This inner critic likes to hide in the shadows of our brains. It does not want to come out into the open because then it's going to lose control. It wants to remain in control of you. It thinks it's doing a good job and it's helping you, but it is making life more difficult. So we want to bring that inner critic out in the open. If you can name it, you can tame it. Number two, what ones use life coaching for is to develop an inner cheerleader who gets equal headspace. You can have this inner critic in there and he's not going away, but you want to have this inner cheerleader that's like, come on, yay, you can do it. Good job. It pats on the back. If you don't have this inner cheerleader, don't worry. I will fill in the blanks until you can develop one of your own. Number three, life coaching is just to help these perfectionistic ones relax, have more fun, and feel more serene. Learning when to take off the supermom cape and when to put it back on is an art form, right? Like you're amazing and you can do so much and you can accomplish so much, but do you really need to do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Or is there a time where you can take off the supermom cape and relax, have a little fun? Number four, life coaching with ones can be used to add humor, levity, and lightheartedness into parenting. So for example, a client I'll call Davina came to life coaching feeling resentful that her kids liked their dad more than her. He was more playful with them and she knew it. She wanted to be more fun-loving but felt like there was too much work to get done. Davina's hard work ethic served her well in her career as a nurse ones are great because they, it's all about the details, right? (laughs) You want them to hyper-focus on the details. So she was a brilliant nurse, but at home, she couldn't relax. She couldn't take off the super mom cape. And so it was costing her connection with her family. It would bother her when they would lounge around on the weekend, not doing anything productive, and she couldn't stand it. Through coaching, Davina became aware of this mean, critical voice in her head that said, relaxing is bad, productivity is good, all the time, every day, no matter what. She learned that her main motivation for working so hard was a fear of what this inner critic was going to say the minute she sat down and stopped working. So she decided to see this voice as a prison guard, keeping her locked in this all-work-and-no-play prison. Instead of pretending this prison guard wasn't there like she was doing before, she befriended it 
She would negotiate with it saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. We've got work to do. There's things to accomplish, but how about I go to the gym tomorrow morning? If you'll step aside for two hours tonight while I watch a movie with my kiddos. She learned how to work with the inner critic, not believe every word it said. And as she learned to take the pressure off herself, she was able to take the pressure off her family as well, allowing them to relax and them to see her as a fun, loving mama. Small action steps ones can take to grow in a positive direction. This is so important. Number one, it's going to sound weird. Okay. So I want you to prepare yourself once. If you're listening to this, take a deep breath in. This is earth shattering. (laughs) Celebrate your mistakes. Purposefully do things wrong. I know it sounds crazy, but ones of all people, you can do it. You can slack off strategically, not accidentally, strategic slacking. Drop a ball on purpose. Flake on that class party. (laughs) Don't bring anything to Teacher Appreciation Week. Leave the dishes in the sink just to prove you can. Show up late. Don't show up at all. Try and find ways that you can drop the ball on purpose. This is going to help you become more flexible, increase your levity, and show that inner perfectionist inside your head who is boss. All right, take a breath. I know that was hard. Number one is celebrate mistakes. Number two is to redefine your definition of success. So many ones subconsciously define success as doing everything right. But I want you to think about people that you admire people you consider successful. What is it about them that looks like success to you? Often ones will notice things like they seem balanced. They are fun loving. They're driven and passionate, but they also make time to play. So really have like a a success role model inside your head and strive towards that instead of do everything right. And number three is to create a relaxation challenge. Ones like improving themselves. So instead of seeing relaxation as something you earn after all your hard work is done and perfect, it's some sort of reward, you want to see it as a task to complete. Start with five minutes, guilt-free relaxation, and set the timer. Like, play video games on your phone. (laughs) Like, don't make it noble or good, okay? Try and challenge yourself to play solitaire or stare into space, and then you can work your way up to 30 minutes. I know that's hard. So if it's too hard for you, I had a client who she did research on the benefit of midday naps. So she looked at like how it reduces your like heart disease by this certain percentage. And so she had the math and the statistics to back up that taking a nap in the middle of the day is good for you. Just like if you want to like research like how valuable sleep is. And so if you can show research to show that relaxing is the most valuable thing to be doing, then you can flip the script by making relaxation a chore and a challenge and also simultaneously increase balance and joy in your lives. All right, that is the 
synopsis of an Enneagram one, if this is sounding like you or like somebody you might be living with, shoot me an email, tori at lifecoachingforparents.com. Let me know. And I can give you tips on how to support the family member that might be a one, things to say, what not to say. And if you are one, shoot me an email and we will, I'll send them to your um, partner (laughs) of things not to say to an Enneagram one. (sighs) Like, for example, you don't tell an Enneagram one they need to relax. Okay. That's tip number one. So if you've got a one living in your house, let me know. Thank you so much for listening. I will love you and leave you pura vida. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.